Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today we turn our focus back to thematic investing as we explore a longer-term investment theme from the Chief Investment Office, that being Frontier Markets. Uh, joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Michelle Liberty, Thematic Investing Strategist Americas, as well as Jing Cheng Yu, Emerging Market Strategist, both from the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Michelle Jing Chen, welcome back, and thank you for joining us and spending some time with our listeners and clients. Uh, let's get right into it. So, Jing Chen, I know you recently published a longer-term investment theme report on frontier markets. So maybe beginning with the basics, Xing Chen, how do you define a frontier market? Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, first, thank you for having me here. Uh, glad to be back. So yeah, so commonly speaking, right, uh, the word frontier is usually defined as the extreme limit of settled land beyond which lies wilderness. But this sort of definition uh, really draws sharp contrast with the one used from an investment classification perspective, in which frontier markets are a subset of that part of the world whose capital markets are not large or liquid enough for their securities to be included in the better-known benchmarks, for instance, for you know developed or emerging market asset classes. So actually, frontier markets include some wealthy countries, such as Bahrain and Oman, some members of the Eurozone, such as Estonia and Slovenia, and some island nations, such as Mauritius and Sri Lanka, and large African hubs, such as Kenya and Nigeria, and some Asian markets, you know, such as Bangladesh and Vietnam, among many others, also appear in the universe of frontier markets for our own investment purposes. So by definition, frontier markets are lesser known and are tougher to access and appear less often in global portfolios than emerging markets. But an upshot of that is that you know these same characteristics really translate into you know a potential for structural change and superior growth, which we can elaborate later then. Well, Jing Chen, thank you for that overview to start. So, Michelle, to welcome you into the conversation for some context, can you tell us a bit about how this new theme, Frontier Markets, how it fits into the broader longer-term investments framework? Sure. Thanks, Dan. So, just to take a step back and think about our thematic framework here, we identify megatrends that we think are going to shape supply and demand for industries going forward. And the three that we've identified are urbanization, population growth, and an aging population. Now, these are trends that we expect to play out really regardless of where we are in the business cycle. And this theme, specifically frontier markets, really fits well into this framework because if we take two of the three, population growth and urbanization, these are really well entrenched in frontier markets. Whereas in developed markets, for example, like the U.S., the trend of urbanization is less relevant at this time. So frontier markets are experiencing what we call a demographic dividend, which is really just a term used to describe the economic benefits of a young and growing labor force and consumer base. And frontier markets are home to 2 billion people, so that's almost a third of the world's population. And while we're seeing the share of the working age population in emerging markets uh, start to decline since about 2015, it's actually expected to be stable in frontier markets until about 2035. Uh, and they're also experiencing urbanization. So the, the United Nations forecasts that 
about 69% of their population will be living in urban areas uh, by 2050, compared to just about 55% uh, in 2020. And urbanization can change demand for things like mass transit, uh, like water infrastructure, etc. Um, so we really see these trends that we've identified taking shape in frontier markets. Um, so I'll just I'll wrap up here. Um, but overall, you know, we really see the demographic profile and rising urbanization as an opportunity. And we think it will lend uh, frontier markets a higher uh, medium-term growth potential relative to emerging markets. So I'll pause there and I'll turn it back to you, Dan. Well, thank you, Michelle. Very helpful and eye-opening context. So, Jing Chen, to circle back, do you want to get a bit more granular with respect to the theme? Can you speak to what are some of the main drivers more specific to the frontier markets theme? Sure. Uh, as Michelle alluded, right, demographics and rising urbanization provide frontier markets with higher medium-term growth potential compared to the EM and DM economies. If you look at frontier markets from an equity investor's perspective, we think there are a couple of drivers that can benefit this markets over you know longer term horizon in particular. So first one should look at, at frontier markets as a potential convergence trade, meaning that currently frontier markets are underrepresented underrepresented uh, in investor portfolios relative to the population they encompass, right, because of a variety of reasons, including the limitation on size and liquidity, so they're not reflected in global benchmarks. As of right now, you know, the market capitalization of the MSCI Frontier Market Index was only about uh, $92 billion U.S. dollars, compared with, you know, uh, close to uh, $7 trillion U.S. dollars for MSCI Emerging Market. The restrictions that I mentioned, plus other factors such as undeveloped uh, economy or difficult foreign access to the market, uh, among others, uh, might be the reason for such sharp uh, differences. But over a you know five to ten year horizon, however, we expect you know frontier markets to catch up and or even grow faster than some emerging and developed markets which should consequently uh, lead to bigger and more liquid capital markets. In addition, frontier market companies on average generally have better profitability than emerging market peers. The average return on equity for MSCI you know, frontier market over the last five years is around close to 14%. Well, that for MSCI EM is less than 12%. So better profitability combined with a favorable growth outlook should open doors for long-term investment opportunities in frontier markets. Finally, um, and more recently, right, so uh, higher for longer oil prices potentially would benefit uh, the net exporters in the frontier markets in, you know, different kinds of ways. For instance, it can lead to higher growth in both the oil and non-oil sectors of the economy, more stable and possibly stronger currencies, and stronger fiscal positions that could provide them with the leeway to conduct uh, counter-cyclical policy. Although 75% of the index are net importers, oil exporters on average, you know, in the index have a net trade surplus of more than 14% versus a 2%, you know, deficit for the importers. 
So that indicates a net positive impact of a higher oil prices on the overall frontier index. So, Jing Chen, as a follow-up, a few questions in one. Can you take a moment to walk us through what's in the MSCI Frontier Market Index? How should investors get exposure to these markets? And what's the benefit in a portfolio context? Absolutely. Yeah, to begin with, the MSCI Frontier Markets Index um, captured companies across 28 countries. The top five countries, um, which is about 63% of the market capitalization, are uh, Vietnam, Morocco, uh, Bahrain, Iceland, and Romania. And the index is also quite uh, concentrated toward a few sectors. So financials, real estate, and communication services, which altogether you know, account for uh, more than 60% of the total index. Now, in terms of how to invest and the potential benefit for one's portfolio, um, our call is based on structure drivers and targeted and investors willing to invest over multiple business cycles. So with this in mind, we uh, recommend exposure to frontier market equities via diversified selection of stocks such as MSA Frontier Markets Index or Managed Solutions. We expect the frontier index to maintain higher earnings growth prospects then their global equity counterparts, such as the MSCI World, particularly over the next uh, five years plus. And finally, given their low correlation with global equities, frontier markets also offer pretty good diversification benefits in the portfolio context. Thank you, Jing Chen. So, Michelle, to welcome you back into the conversation, I know a bit earlier you talked about how this theme, frontier markets, how it fits within the broader LTI series. Uh, But what about sustainability? How important, Michelle, and relevant for that matter, is sustainability for frontier markets? Yeah, thanks. It's a great, great question, Dan. And just to be clear in the beginning here, we're not saying that frontier markets is a sustainable theme per se, but that doesn't mean sustainability isn't important in frontier markets. And in fact, in less liquid markets, right, transparency is incredibly important. So, the more data and information you can use as tools to analyze a company with, uh, the better. But more specifically, though, uh, important considerations in frontier markets can include uh, things like job quality, for example, right? People-related risks for companies can range from things like health and safety issues to poor training. Um, this can ultimately limit innovation, right? So there are important things to, to consider. Uh, and another example I'll give here is corporate governance. So that's material across regions, right? It's material here in the U.S. too, Um, but it's also important in frontier markets. And what I mean by that is considering whether companies have things like robust tax and anti-corruption systems in place. Uh, Do they have independent board structures and strong management? Uh, All of these things are very important to consider when it comes to uh, thinking about governance in, in frontier markets. Uh, So I'll pause there after giving a a few examples, but the short answer is that, yes, it it is important to consider, but the theme overall uh, is not considered a sustainable theme. Thank you, Michelle, for the clarity there on sustainability. So as we begin to close out our conversation this morning, Jing Chen, what are some of the main risks that investors should be aware of specific to this frontier markets theme? Of course, uh, different markets have their own uh, individual risk to begin with, right? But in general, some key risks include that, you know, these frontier markets generally are still lagging behind in terms of institutions 
and policy choices. And in terms of um, uh, foreign direct investment, recent downwards trend is a bit concerning as well. And if it persists, it could pose a threat to further development in uh, the universe. And furthermore, uh, war, violence, political instability, and even some global events such as a food crisis may all affect a large number of those frontier economies at the same time, and more str- even more strongly than you know, EM and DM peers. And last but not least, an important point is still the low liquidity problem. In absolute terms, the trading volumes um, for frontier markets are still significantly lack uh, that in the developed markets and emerging markets. The average daily trading volume for the last six months, for instance, is only $223 million for frontier markets versus $106 billion for emerging markets. And in terms of distribution, liquidity is only concentrated to a few markets in the index, such as Vietnam, Morocco, and uh, Bahrain. Well, Zheng Chen and Michelle, thank you again for dropping by Top of the Morning. Nice catching up, and thank you for bringing our listeners, our clients, up to speed on the latest longer-term investment theme from the Chief Investment Office, Frontier Markets. Appreciate your time and your insights, as always. Thank you again. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And again today, we've been joined by Michelle LaLiberty, Thematic Investing Strategist Americas, as well as Jing Chen Yu, Emerging Market Strategist, both from the UBS Chief Investment Office. As a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can, of course, be located up on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the piece which both Jing Chen and Michelle have been making reference to this morning, the longer-term investments theme publication on frontier markets. So for clients of UBS, please be sure to contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.